Astrology is your story, human design is your strategy, energy is the work, and hi, I'm your girl Neha. Welcome to the Thinking About Life podcast. This is where we ponder about all the things from a spiritually curious and therapeutic lens. You'll hear in-depth and energizing interviews, inspired riffs, educational series on astrology and human design, and so much more. Ready to create your unique version of soulful success and live your yummiest life? Keep listening for more. All right, this is an exciting episode with my friend Max. This is the first man I've had on my podcast as a guest. And the really cool thing is we recorded this podcast on March 8th, aka International Women's Day. And I mean it when I say it was truly perfect because the conversation that we had, the depth that we went into is amazing. So we talk all things from fitness, health, moving your body, running around in the rain, what it means to be alive, death, how death is a huge catalyst. We talk about Max's practice and for how living a life that you are able to do stuff in with your body is his goal. We talk about our own deep stories of how we got here into our businesses and grief that we experienced and therapy and spoiler alert max recommends men go to therapy everyone go to therapy but especially to the men out there because life isn't all hunky-dory life is real and we get to receive support And I hope that this episode is supportive for you as it was for me recording it and engaging in this incredible conversation with Max. So without further ado, here's the episode. Welcome to the podcast, Max. Howdy, howdy. Howdy, howdy. Good to meet you. So we met a few months ago through our mutual friend, Maria, who is an amazing human design extraordinaire. You'll hear another episode where I interview her magical self. And we've basically been co-working a few times at the best coffee shop in Houston. It's really, it's been really fun to connect with you in this like coaching wellness space because you're a man. Typically all my friends are women and it's really exciting to connect with a man and befriend someone like a man in this space. We are not so much a rare breed, not anymore at least. Mm -hmm. Uh, Some in the older generation were talking Gen Y, Gen X, when they were coming up in the 2000s, early 2000s, there weren't a lot of male like yoga instructors or health coaches. There were a lot of females in that world. It was a very different environment than what I understood. And even just starting off in myself in 2004, 2005, fitness, it was very different. Mm-hmm. Very different. How, how has it changed? People are smarter now. Mm-hmm. Um, I would say that we still succumb to trends, I think, way too often. And those trends can be harmful, especially if taken out of context. But people are smarter about cross-training. It's not such a myopic view of fitness. People who are runners don't just do running. People who are bodybuilders don't just do bodybuilding. 
well, yogis now just don't do yoga. They do other things like rock climbing. And so having that cross-training experience allows for stronger athletes, stronger humans, more resilient humans that are less prone to injury. So how did you get into the fitness space originally? Was it through yoga? Was it through something else? It was actually through an old program, which is still around, called P90X. Oh, yeah. Right? Yeah. So he's the guy. And I was in college, and I will say that I obtained his program through a not-so-justifiable means. Sure. Maybe not. <laughs> can neither confirm nor deny. And the experience of P90X was really just me wanting to try something new. I was in a dorm room in college and I had this access to something. So I liked the gym because I was unaware of what the gym environment was all about. I never spent any significant time there. I was uncomfortable and insecure. So I tried this thing called P90X and got introduced to yoga, Kempo, at like high intensity interval training. I was like, ooh, these are fancy words. What do these mean? And sure enough, it, with everything, my first 10 years or 12 years in fitness, I got injured. It just took a matter of time. Following someone's process, again, myopic in nature, didn't really help. Or it helped for a time until I got hurt. And there was no resolution. There was no solution there. And so I had to seek help elsewhere. And that has been the history of my fitness life. Trained and practiced in eight, over eight different disciplines from Qigong and Tai Chi, rock climbing, cycling, running, you know, high intensity interval training, body gamut. And each one didn't have something. And so you overtrain or you do the thing, get injured and you don't have a solution. So you go to the other discipline, they have something. You just have this little tidbit of information that tends to help. And so you stick with that discipline thinking that it's the savior and then you get injured there. Well, okay. So you move on. And I was just talking to someone yesterday about that. Oh yeah, I still do pinning yet. Stop it. <laughs> You're still doing that? It's still a thing? Yes, it is. Yeah, I don't think I've ever actually tried P90X. I put that in the same mental category as shake weights, even though they're probably different trend. Uh, but yeah, the trendy fitness yeah. vibes. A fitness guy came up with the program, sold it for you know, 20 bucks or 50 bucks, 140 bucks, whatever it was, made a lot of money and still does it. And it's what everyone else did. It's the precursor to Taibo precursor or the post-cursor. I guess precursor Bikram yoga or like hot yoga or something. But it came in after Jack LaLanne and Jane Fonda and Richard Simmons did all their TV sort of fitness programs that people did at home. This one was just more accessible through a DVD program or a VHS mm -hmm. program, being something that college students were able to get for free somehow. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So you started on your fitness journey in college, and at each time you felt like something was missing and there was like some sort of injury, and you'd go on to the next system or modality of, of fitness, and you'd find the same thing. So now your approach is much more multifaceted. So tell us more about that. Yeah. So in so many words, I cherry pick. After 15 plus years of training and coaching and doing the thing, 
I found a bunch of things that work and I found a bunch of things that really don't work. And my particular lens right now is yoga. I use that as the common language, the common thread to describe a somatic or human experience in movement. And people nowadays tend to grasp that idea pretty well. And I use multiple disciplines or the tools from other disciplines integrated into yoga to create a, a sort of movement pattern style that helps people build resilient joints, optimize their movement without the headache, without the burnout, without the fluffy language or without the use of a language that most people don't really understand. It's everyday language. I feel like that is so important. If I think of like astrology and human design, if I'm talking to someone who is not really into it, but they also want to reap the benefits, I'm not going to be over here. So the incarnation cross and the right angle cross of this right. person going to, it's information overload. They're not going to register anything. And that's like a huge thing I'm about is it's not just about dumping information on someone, it's about facilitating that transformation. It's about empowerment. When I finally keyed into what that was in the fitness world mm -hmm. or the lack thereof, it was just information overload previously and still is to a degree where people don't want to learn all these fancy things. They don't have time. They don't have bandwidth. Mm -hmm. One, they want to feel better. And so you do your best to help them feel better. Two, like, even though they say they don't want to learn. Learning is part of the process. If you don't learn and you're just flopping your weight around, you're not going to get anything that you're looking to do or looking to achieve. And so yeah, there's a fine line. There's a, a way in which to start talking to people, or talking with people, meeting them where they are yeah. to help them understand what's going on. Similar to your friend Yvette in a previous interview here on this podcast, where it's not so prescriptive. It's, hey, what's your particular lived experience? Let's talk about that. Because it might not be the thing you think it is. It might be something else. And so my perspective these days is very much, let's tune into the body. Let's not try to escape. So if you ever come to a class of mine, there's, yeah, never music play. Mm -hmm. I want you to feel everything that you're feeling. Wow. That's yeah. so different than what my experience has been. I remember I trained for a half marathon in 2015 and like the advice was put on some intense music and just fucking run. And it was not about feeling. It was like, I'm not a big fan of running, but my mom wanted to train for the half marathon. So I'm like, whatever, I'll do it with you. And I don't like the feeling of running and my approach was let me just fucking avoid it and throw on some intense music and zone out. Yeah. And it's not to say that I disagree with that approach. There's a place for it. There is a place for that type of mindset and that type of practice and escaping something that really is just not your cup of tea because you want to do the thing. Right. There's a place for it just not my yoga class. And when you were running, did you find that you enjoyed it more with music or did it become more tolerable? It became more tolerable. I don't think I ever enjoyed it. And I quit around eight miles. Like when we got to, cause we were building up and 
we just had to keep getting up earlier and it kept getting colder. And I was like, yeah, I'm out. But yeah, it just was tolerable at some point. So you mentioned like yoga is this through line throughout all of and all these different fitness traditions or modalities, but yoga is the through line. And I love that you said that because a year after I got into meditation, I started doing yoga for myself. I'm South Asian and there have been pieces of yoga that I had grown up with, like my grandfather teaching me the breath of fire or like different breathing patterns growing up or just general, like the philosophy behind it. And when I came into yoga, I was doing it from this intention of really being meditative, but knowing I needed to move my body and not be so stagnant. So I was like, yoga is, I feel like the perfect in for me. And what I love about it is now that I'm starting to implement other fitness things, like I got some dumbbells and I'm starting to do some strength training. I'm sorry. I used to dance when I was like a teenager. And so I'm starting to like dance again now just for fun. But because I started with yoga, when I intentionally started to work out as an adult, I'm so much more connected to my breath and my body and my awareness and ooh, that stretch did not feel good or ooh, this is not good. And I've become so appreciative of that. So I'd love to hear you talk about that some more. Yeah. So in, I moved to Houston in 2019. That'll be part of the introduction. I, I think <laughs> we'll have given that people have listened to already by the time. And when I arrived here, I signed up immediately for a yoga teacher training from a local instructor named Andrew Dugat, who teaches a style of yoga called Yoga Better. And by the way, shameless plug, go visit him. And uh, of course, there was a language that he used that was accessible. And one of the things he brings us through in this inquiry and in, in this teacher training is the understanding that yoga is a practice and it doesn't end there. It's the practice of feeling your body, period, full stop. And anything that you do, and the reason why I use yoga as a lens for physical fitness and overall health is because it is the practice of feeling your body. Everything else that you do, rock climbing, crossfit, cycling, running, Pilates, there is an objective. It's not, it's to do the poses, to do the thing, to climb the wall, to ride the bike, to run the distance. That's the objective. But yoga, the objective is just to feel your body. And so we, I make the argument that everything that we do in physical fitness is a practice of feeling your body. Everything. And if at any point you're doing physical fitness without feeling your body, are you practicing yoga? Are you practicing the craft? Are you doing the thing? Are you honing your skills? Are you actually sitting there and improving? And yeah, you may be, you're moving. 90% of the world doesn't move. That's an arbitrary number, of course, I don't know. But let's, for argument's sake, say more than half the human population has a stagnant lifestyle. You're doing better than half of the human population if this was a comparison game. And it's not, of course, it's practice of feeling your body, not the practice of feeling someone else's body. But we sit here and we think, okay, I moved around a little bit. Awesome. You need to move around more as humans. 
our, our current state of affairs is very unfortunate. This right now I'm at a coffee shop and I'm looking around and there are people sitting at tables. Cool. There's a purpose to that. You and I are sitting at a table. Okay. That's cool. There's a purpose to it. But is this all we do for mm -hmm. most of our lives? Maybe. So you look at the ratio of how much time you spend sitting at a desk doing a thing on a computer or a piece of paper, right? Or talking to other people and compare that to how much time you spend moving. And the scales suddenly tip in a very clear direction, very sedentary lifestyle. And so I'm not making the argument that we need to move in equal amount. You know, we're sitting eight hours a day. We can't move eight hours a day. It's the entire day. Then we won't have time to rest or eat or sleep, you know, or, you know, go to the bathroom. So there's gotta be just this, this lens to look at. Yeah. What's the ratio of how much time you spend doing the rest of your life in a sedentary fashion versus the rest of your life in a moving fashion? Fitness doesn't have to be, I'm going to lift heavy weights. Fitness could be, I'm just trying to find a balance in how much time I sit versus how much time I move. Yeah. I was reading an article probably in the last couple of months where it's talking about sitting and you smoking and it really hit me because as humans, if we move beyond the industrial revolution time period, we were not sitting or stagnant the same way. We didn't evolve to be sitting all day, every day. And I even think of like when I was in high school, I love that I was, I did kickboxing and I did dance, but then like when you become an adult, it is so easy to just fall into a lifestyle of stagnancy or not moving or and lots of grace and compassion because sometimes you're exhausted. Sometimes you have draining jobs and family stuff and relationship stuff, et cetera. Life be lifing always. But for me, what it's come down to is whenever I think of, oh, I don't want to go for it. Like my bare minimum activity is go for a walk. Or if it's not cute outside, then go on a treadmill and just walk for 20, 30 minutes. You could literally, I could literally be scrolling on social media or on my phone watching something. But just, I do that. And this is my mindset. I literally tell myself, 80-year-old Neha will thank me for moving right now. And that is literally my fitness mantra. Tomorrow, Neha mm -hmm. will thank you for moving right now. And also, I'll challenge you, by the way, and say, uh, you said it, if it's not cute out, you go on the treadmill. And by not cute, I think you mean like nasty weather, right? If it's rainy, I mean like rain. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Uh, when was the last time that you got caught in the rain? When was the last time I got caught in the rain? Oh my gosh. I'm also a huge romantic, so I like these moments in time that are reminiscent of like movie, like film noir. Mm. I am out doing my own thing. And, oh my God, it's raining. What do I do? And you think to yourself, and you just surrender to the moment. Just have it. I'm in the rain now. Cool. <laughs> right. So when was the last time you got caught in the rain? Yo, I can't think of one off the top of my head. When was the last time you went outside purposefully in the rain without an umbrella? Yeah, I, d I don't have one off the top of my head. <laughs> okay, so while this interview is definitely like for your podcast, I'm going to give you homework. Mm -hmm. Try it out and talk about it in future interviews because why not? Why not? Next time it's raining, go outside, take a walk in the rain. Okay. With the intention to be okay with it. 
Okay. And when you do it, tune in. Tune into what shifts for you, changes in your perspective. Okay, manifester initiating me. I love that. And I'm going to extend this homework to everyone listening as well. Go out and enjoy the rain. I love that. I love that. Shout out to your Libra Midheaven. So romantic. Love to see it. I'll tell you a quick story about it. Mm -hmm. What changed my perspective and the reason why that homework is so interesting to me back in 2014, 2015, I had a hernia surgery and I was incapacitated for a little while. And over time, after recovery, I had to start running to build up my endurance and lung capacity and to break up some scar tissue because it really just was killer. And I would run and run down the block, be winded, have to go home, take a nap for like five hours. And over the course of a summer, I think about two months, I was able to get up to five miles. One day I went outside in the middle of my run, bright blue skies and a storm cloud came in, poured rain. And I thought to myself, no, what, wait, what fuck? There's literally nothing I can do about it. I don't have an umbrella. I'm in the middle, like on the side of a highway on a running path. Okay. And so I just kept running, but there was this primal sense of urgency that came up and rose up within me. And I just let out this like ferocious roar. And I felt comfortable doing that because I was side of the highway, it was totally washed out. But it just felt so empowering. Fuck yes. That's fuck yes energy. Yeah, that's alive as fuck energy. Yeah. And so I went home. My partner at the time looked at me and said, oh, no, you got caught in the rain. Are you okay? Yeah, I feel great. Mm -hmm. I feel the best I've ever felt. This is weird. (laughs) But then over the years, it happened more and more. I get caught. And so very infrequently do I go anywhere with an umbrella. Unless like my intention is to like be dry at my destination. <laughs> like if I have to teach a class, I can't show up soaking wet. It's just not mm-hmm. how that works. But story over. Thank you for listening. Wow. I love that story. And I like I'm looking at your human design chart. So for all my people listening who are into human design, Max is a 6'2 splenic manifester with the channel of initiation in his chart. And I feel like, and this channel of storytelling, okay? So receiving that initiating story and I'm gonna, I'm gonna run with it. Yeah, so we've been talking about like fitness from the lens of connecting with your body. And I feel like you just told this story about like really coming into your aliveness. I feel like that's what it is. That quote of where everyone dies, but not everyone lives. It's been on my mind a lot. I think about death a lot. Yeah. I'd love if you could talk about aliveness. I'm reading your bio and you switched careers unexpectedly when you were laid off. And now you're in this path of going from being jaded and callous and bitter to creating spiritual abundance and security and fulfillment and doing it with your whole heart. Tell us about that. There's a couple of threads and that can be longer stories or descriptors or how I got to this point. And if anyone listening ever wants to hear about that, feel free to reach out to me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we'll put my contact information yep. into the podcast. And I'd love to tell you about my life. Dale Carnegie used to say, like, the sweetest sound of someone's ears is the sound of their own voice. 
when I started this business, it wasn't, it wasn't anything that I expected to do. And there was a catalyst not too long before I started, uh, where my father passed away. and my entire life, most of my memorable life, I'll say suppose 11 or 12. I had always wanted him and my mother to take better care of himself. Obviously that didn't happen. He passed away from complications arising from dementia and mm. heart disease, and everything that comes with chronic stress down the pipeline. And there's, cause you're, you're talking about aliveness and I'm talking about catalyst being death. And there's something pretty interesting about this and that experience where I had gone through yoga teacher training, I had gone through coaching, I'd gone through seminars and self-growth, personal growth, professional growth workshops, and development for years and studied it. And there are very few moments that I can look back on and say, oh, these are milestone moments. These are the moments where you feel intensely alive. You're scared shitless. You're scared to the point adrenaline is pumping your your eyesight is not myopic it's expanded you're literally seeing everything around because you're hyper aware there's a moment in that experience where you can't think of not doing the thing you're about to do maria will probably talk about something about concept called expanders mm -hmm. expansion I'm sure you do as well, where your comfort zone increases to the point where I didn't know I could do this. Now that I know I can't not do the thing, I need to do it. And he passed away. And the first thought in my mind, not really the first, but like after some grieving had happened and some celebration of his life had happened, there was a thought was I have tried to fix my father my whole life. I have this wealth of knowledge that I could use to help others. I have this understanding of the human body and the human condition and this, I'm not tooting my own horn. It's not that, but empathy is a superpower. Yeah. And I learned empathy later in life, 31, 32, 33. I'm in. 34 years old now, just it's getting better, but I'm still learning. Mm -hmm. I'm still a baby in this way. And I have this thing, this skill that I want to practice. How do I share empathy with others? How do I create something out of nothing? How do I do something that will not only make my father proud, but make me proud? And it clicked. He had always wanted me to own my own business. And the thought, just the thought of that potential of owning my own business filled me with such glee, just absolute glee and excitement, exhilaration or aliveness. And so I talked to a few people about suggestions. I had no idea what to do. I filled up the application, did the thing, and I launched my website. However shitty it was. And the day I launched it, it was April 20th, 2000, 
2020, before 2020. I pressed launch on the website builder. It went public and I froze. I froze in my excitement. I cried. I wept. I yelled out in joy. I called my friends. It's just so excited. I called my mother. To this day, it's still grieving. And so am I in different ways. But it was very fresh and told her what I did. And she shared tears of joy. We talked about what that feeling of aliveness was for us. And how we're, in my action, I'm taking steps to changing legacy. And it just, you well up, you think about it. And you're like, holy shit. This is what it feels like to be alive. And this is circumstantial. No one can relive the experience that I had to feel that particular flavor of aliveness. But everyone has it at some point. Mm. Everyone has an experience that alters their perspective. That gives them just a taste of potential. And that's when they feel alive. I'm curious. When aliveness happens, we'll... I can go deeper into this and say, in the practice of feeling your body, in the practice of feeling your body, and not in a woo sense, right. there's, there's fluffy language that can be used here that is a little contrived. Mm -hmm. I'm talking about using a language that actually articulates the sensation. In the practice of feeling your body, you end up feeling sensations of aliveness more frequently. Mm -hmm. You're more tuned into it, more aware. I'm curious for you now, when do you feel aliveness when practicing your craft is astrology, HD, G, GK, all of this, and helping people feel empowered, not just in their body, but in their strategy, their authority, how they manifest their lives. How does aliveness actually come together for you in that space? Yeah. yeah. Before I answer your question, Thank you for sharing that story and your story. And I really relate to that just last week when I, so I we're recording this early March, um, 2022, and I launched my podcast last week and it's, I did all this work, everything. And then as an astrologer, I had the exact time that I was going to press submit. So I sat there and I pressed submit and then I started crying immediately and shaking. <laughs> and I was like, whoa. And I was like, good on me for having therapy schedules <laughs> in one hour from now. <laughs> so I could digest because it, it does feel like when you are so tuned into your purpose and you know that you are doing something for you, your dad always wanted you to start a business and you did that for yourself. And I feel like I'm very spiritual. So in, in my lens, even after we die, people's spirits are alive in a sense. So that's really beautiful. And for me, when it comes to what is feeling alive, I feel like in my practice and my work. Yeah. So a lot of my work is also in astrology and human design. For a long time, I started my business in 2018. I don't know why 21 year old Neha was like, you know what? I'll be a life coach. Let's help people with their lives. But I, that's what I did. But for the first couple of years, it was mostly me just doing readings, people showing up, me telling them about themselves. And what I 
really learned was I wasn't telling people things they didn't already know typically. Maybe some timing pieces or some things that were like, oh, okay, that's really interesting. But tell people about their strategy and authority. And I have this very vivid memory of explaining the whole manifesting generator strategy, like the complexity, the layers of it. And someone goes, and I had like document, a Google doc where it's step one, step two, all the way to step five. And she goes, yeah, so me and my husband just opened a coffee shop and it started with me having this idea. Then I informed him and then there was just a building and sale in our town. And then we got, and then our sacral was like, yeah. And then we sat with it with our emotional authority. And then they didn't even have that language of human design until I told them that, but she was like, yep, exactly that. And I was like, word. And so what I really realized was it's about helping people re-remember who they are and their body. And what then I realized after doing primarily readings for two, two and a half years, where I'm just telling people mostly information. And of course, there's like integration and breath that I would blend into my sessions. But it wasn't satisfying anymore because I I had repeat clients and like they'd come back every six months or every year to get an astrology reading. It wasn't satisfying because I wasn't going deeper. I was like, okay, now a lot of the generator people in my life were like, what are you talking about sacral authority? What are you talking about my body gets satisfied when I'm doing things that lights me up? And I started realizing, holy shit, people are traumatized. They're if you if you not everything is trauma, I want to preface that. But if you do have trauma or any unprocessed emotions that's disconnecting you from your body, that doesn't just numb out the bad shit. It numbs out the good shit too. And so people were really disconnected from their bodies. And so then I started getting trained in somatic work, in hypnotherapy, and coaching that goes into more of the subconscious mind rather than just talk talk level, like high mental level, that more bottom up, bottom up body-based approach. And that has been really rewarding for me because like last week when I launched my podcast and I was just a fucking mess um, in my room, <laughs> I let myself have that experience. And that was a part of being alive for me. And yesterday, I just felt completely hopeless in my business. I was like, there's no point in this. I'm not ever going to make it. And I let myself be there instead of not, instead of trying to push through and do some work. I was texting my boyfriend and my friend and supporting myself in the ways that I knew how, but the most important thing was I let myself feel the shit that I was feeling. And after having that conversation with my boyfriend, it wasn't even a different day yet. It was just that night that I felt more hopeful, that I felt more like I can do this. So long story short, I feel like that's what aliveness means to me. And also hearing about your story with your father passing and that really initiating you or being the catalyst for you to embrace your purpose and your why. I also have the channel of initiation in, in my human design chart. And I don't think I've told this story on my podcast, but it's actually a huge part of my why and what I do. So when I was a freshman at the University of Rochester, my, I had a roommate, her name was Juliet, and she was 
so cool, way cooler than me. I felt like I was just like an awkward little freshman. She was just like cool and super intelligent and all these things. And at first I was really intimidated by her. So we didn't really get close at first, but over time, just living in the same dorm room, like literally just basically like a studio, not even, right? It's just a little wall, just like a bedroom with three beds. We had a third roommate too, who kept more to herself, but it was also really sweet. But throughout her time at Rochester, she got introduced to some hard drugs and she went through this process of trying to not do them, trying to wean herself off. And she knew that they weren't good for her. Addiction is so layered and complex and is a disease. And then she got off of it, but when she went home for spring break, she tapped back into that and when she came back she was like I remember the week so she passed away spoiler alert uh, by an overdose and I just remember the week that she passed away like the week leading up to it so vividly because afterwards I was just in fucking shock it was like she was all of a sudden I know exactly what I want to do with my life like I am going to study epidemiology and I really want to impact public health and all of these things like really clear on her vision and at this point I was lost as fuck I was like I don't know what I'm doing with my life my parents want me to be a pre-med and in in listening to her be so clear on her why what she wants to do and then a few days later, pass away unexpectedly. It was just like such a shock to my system. But hearing her talk about public health really did something for me. And even though I didn't register it right away, when I ended up coming back from that university, because I didn't finish university there, I, I wanted to be a sex educator because that public health field of, and I had been trigger warning, assaulted and harmed sexually and so even though I hadn't consciously registered it I guess unconsciously was like I have to do something about this so my route for that moment was like I'm gonna be a sex educator turns out I didn't want to be a sex educator for real but one of the secret whys in my business that I am still figuring out how to talk more about is public health starts with the individual this idea of if we really want to create a healthier world got to show up for ourselves individually and then it ripples out to our relationships and our community and it ripples out beyond that to the general collective and the public health not just yourself but that was such a catalyst for me it took me a while after that getting lost and then finding my way back home to myself to embrace that and then one last note because I also want to hear what, what you have to say is when I first started meditating and I was going to therapy and doing all of that, at first it got way worse before it got better. Coming into my aliveness hurt a lot. In fact, it I started remembering traumatic things that happened. And basically it felt like I gave myself PTSD by meditating while really the PTSD was already there just underneath the surface. But yeah, coming to my aliveness, it got worse before it got better, but it also led me to embrace my purpose and to honor the legacy of my roommate, not just for her, but also for me. Thank you for that. Mm-hmm. And there are several things in what you said that I want to touch on. 
along with an appreciation for you sharing that story. It's, it sounds deeply personal and what you shared is deeply personal. See, thank you. Aliveness isn't just the hunky door. Tuning in. Aliveness is really tuning into the shit that we experience. Not just major milestone like that. And you can tell by the tone of my voice, I took more of a solemn perspective real quick, but I want to normalize something for male listeners, really anyone. Uh, something that you mentioned, you were so thankful that you had scheduled therapy the day you launched your podcast. Go to therapy. Not just you, man. Go to therapy. Especially men. You know, Yes. And yeah, I say that only because there's a stigma. I feel typically women are more open to it, even though I also feel like there's a stigma. Yeah. I'm going to, I'm going to let you talk though. I will say that men are okay with going to therapy and okay with expressing themselves and being open to conversation when they understand it. Yeah. There is a stigma or this mindset of not wanting to do a thing because you don't get it for sure. Mm -hmm. And it's not about trust. It's not about proximity to your life. It's really about understanding because you can trust someone who goes to therapy. You can trust a therapist, but you might not understand it. So you don't want to do it. You could be surrounded by people who go to therapy, but if they don't normalize in conversation and express a wide range of tools, resources, and vocabulary that are synonymous with emotional intelligence, and you won't understand it. And so you'll think poorly of it and not want to do it. So find someone, note to listeners, especially the male listeners, or anyone who hasn't got the therapy, talk to someone, find out more about what therapy really is, and think about ways in which it might help you, the areas in your life that aren't optimized. So that's a little plug for therapy because we need to normalize that conversation. I also want to normalize the fact that you said trigger warnings. I was assaulted. Let's go deeper. And I don't want to plug into your personal life. We could do that off this, but this isn't a trigger warning. This is reality. Every woman that I know, every single one has been assaulted in some way. They've been assaulted. They've been raped. They've been catcalled. This is our reality. We don't talk about it as often as we should. Part of the therapy conversation of not understanding it is that as well. We don't understand sexual assault because we don't talk about it. We don't have exposure to it. Let's normalize that conversation. It's one of the hardest things, one of the hardest conversations to have with a partner in a cisgendered, regular, relationship or bisexual, asexual relationship where you're just looking for close proximity and casual intimacy or non-sexual intimacy. Like one of the hardest conversations to have with someone is listening to their past and hearing that they have been assaulted. So sit with it, talk to people. And let's talk about sexual assault because it's not just women who have been assaulted. It's men who have been assaulted, it's children, and it's men and women who both in the emotional vocabulary to talk about all of it, about the gamut of human experience, because 
That's what aliveness is. We need to understand it to experience it. And it's not just about the hunky-dory. As a side note, going back into the world of hunky-dory, uh, you and I are going to have a conversation about your time at University of Rochester because prior to Houston, that's where I came from. Definitely want to hear more about your story there. Um, but I think you have several more questions or themes that you want to touch on in this conversation of ours. What's next? So I'd love to hear, you talked about something we, we talked about last time we were co-working together was I had to go because I had therapy and then you had therapy a couple hours after me. So I'd love to hear about how has therapy impacted you and yeah, what has it done for you so far? Well, I will say that it is fresh. It is fresh in my mind. There's some things I won't talk about here, not yet at least. Yeah. And if you get me back on your podcast in a few months, I'll talk about it. But Particularly, I'm in therapy to seek some sort of reconciliation or resolution to traumatic experiences in my life. And those experiences have transcended uh, them themselves. Similar themes that may pop up are triggers for me to relive those traumatic experiences. And what I'm hoping for is doing the work that will help me be able to recall those experiences without spiraling into a reliving experience. It has been so far uh, two months and I have, I'm, I'm not going to say that I've learned so much and I'm this truly enlightened human. That's not it. I've learned very little because I'm diving into some really deep shit from my childhood. Four-year-old me, 10-year-old me, 14-year-old me. Yeah. Two year ago me. So there's a lot to unpack. But what I have learned is that I cannot do it alone. This is work that needs not just professional help, but support from friends and family. And learning how to ask for that help has been the biggest challenge for me. I have been a fiercely independent human and curated a life where I can be wholly independent and self-sufficient. And being put into a situation where something that happened in my partner's life that triggered me, sent me into a downward spiral where my life was not functioning. I forgot how to be a partner. I forgot how to communicate with any sort of emotional vocabulary. Someone would ask me how I'm doing, I would say, okay. And then get lost in thought for 20 minutes. It feels two hours. And they're just staring at me. They're just waiting for a response. And I'm just blankly staring into space. Like, that's not functional. Yeah. So learning how to, one, acknowledge that I need help. Mm-hmm. And not just help from a professional, but from my support. And learning how to ask for it. Yeah. That's what therapy has done for me so far. Wow. Yeah, that's so important, and I'm so 
grateful that you mentioned that piece about yeah that friends and family support as well because it really is crucial I I've been going to therapy for six years and when I started therapy I was at the tail end of a really toxic on and off situation and then I spent three years just completely single and then I started dipping my toes back in and in a couple months, I found my current partner. And like right now, we're, we've been dating for two years now. And it's been a lot of unpacking the layers of support that are required that are not obvious. We've had some really tough conversations unpacking that. And also me telling him to ask me for support when he needs it. And really encouraging that from him. Because I know that he wasn't taught that. He was taught in a relationship that the man has to hold it down and be keep it all together. And I'm not saying if he does unravel, holding space for that, but that's not even what it's about. It's just about building that habit of asking for support in because it really makes an impact over time that those little things really have a ripple effect. And Thank you for being so vulnerable and sharing how debilitating it can be. The trauma, the um, the shit that can, the emotions, all of that that can come up and just being a human. Mm. Yeah. I'm, I'm, You're right. It is unpacking layers of support. Insane. Yeah. I'm looking at your human design chart and one of the things that I know you know about your chart is your line six and your six two profile and TLDR for those listening, the line six goes through three phases of life. The first 30 years or until your Saturn return or even maybe during your Saturn return, it's like <laughs> trial and error. Usually you go through a lot of fucking shit if you're a six line, more than other lines. I'm not saying other lines can't also go through things, but it's just something about that six line really puts you through the ringer a little bit. And then you get to your Saturn return and you go through this thing, you climb up the roof where you detach a little bit from being so in the thick of everything. And then there's there can be a sense of detachment. But basically, in what the energy is, you spend approximately ages 30 to 50 really integrating, digesting, processing the lessons, the experiences, all the things that you went through in those first 30 years alongside more things you're going through because life keeps lifing and no matter what age you're at. And then eventually around age 50 or your Chiron return, you step into fully being a role model. So I'd love if you could share a bit about your journey in the context of, of the six line or what you know of your design. Oh, I can't hear you. You're muted. Sorry. So what I said in our pre-interview conversation was there's a lot about human design that I just don't know. Mm -hmm. I'm aware of just the superficial things that tend to resonate. Mm -hmm. And I've taken maybe an hour once every few weeks to really like think about it a little further. Mm -hmm. to read more about it. Just don't have the bandwidth to learn a new thing. Yeah, for sure. What I do know as a 6-2 splenic manifester is that it's two things. And they correspond very closely with my entrepreneurial journey. I have a ton of ideas. So many. And I want to bring them all to light. It's great. I can't because I have these very short bursts of energy. And short is relative. It could be an hour, it could be two weeks. Mm -hmm. Or two months. 
or I will just burn the candle of both ends to get this idea created, either on paper or in my mind, spend so much emotional bandwidth to get it done. And as soon as I do, I am fucking tired. Yeah. And I need to take a nap. And that is, okay. so prior to going full-time with this business, pandemic life, right? Mm-hmm. And when you've been pandemic for about a year, you know, a few months, by the time I switch careers, but I would go outside for hours and play and then come back inside, toil away on the computer, being, doing architecty things. Yeah. But being outside and playing recharged me. It helped me regroup and recenter myself, so to speak. Mm-hmm. But now that I do that full time, the things that once recharged me no longer recharge me, right? The things that used to recharge me that I do full time are requiring more emotional bandwidth. They are the creative spark still. And I do whatever I can to bring these ideas and movements and patterns and understandings of these concepts into reality. But then I'm tired and taking that. Or I don't touch it for a week or two or a month. And so this entrepreneurial journey has really been an exploration and understanding where I need to rest and where I need to work. Because it's no longer just play for me. Mm-hmm. Now it's play mixed in with survival. Yeah. And for better or worse. The second thing that I've learned in the context of human design and my entrepreneurial journey is intuition. As a splenic manifester, not only do I have ideas that come into, into, but there's moments in time when I have to trust that things don't feel right. They don't look right. They don't taste right. They don't, whatever the flavor is in life, they're just not quite right. Mm-hmm. And so instead of jumping into things because it is available or made itself available to me, I really have to sit back and discern and listen to the little max on my shoulder that says, yeah, do it. don't do that. Mm-hmm. Maybe that's not right. And it's, it's never so definitive as do it. It's all this feels good or this, um, I like that. Or I don't like that or something to that end. It's never prescriptive, but it's forced, this journey has forced me to look closer at that little guy and say, okay, what is he trying to say? What is my subconscious trying to say? And I don't have to figure it out. Not even close, not even, but it's fun to play with that and explore it from time to time. But I'll end there about human design because it's, it goes deep. And every time someone gives me a reading or if I hear someone talk about a certain thing, I'm just like, wow, I feel attacked, but it's cool. But there's a part of me that just, I want to know what the fuck to do with it. Yeah. And, that's where I am really passionate about. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And the world of human design, like, cool. It's great. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of people telling you about your strategy or about your authority. And it's like, cool. Now the next step, let's talk about what the how the fuck to actually utilize those tools in your life. Mm-hmm. And I know you do it and Maria does it and a few other mm-hmm. really cool people do it, but they're like the next level. And then yeah. there are people that have been working on it a little longer and they realize that level and they're like, oh, well, there's actually another level to that. Let's work on that. Mm-hmm. So in time, that'll become more commonplace and you'll see that more and more often. 
and I can't wait for those days. And I can't wait to have a better understanding of it. I can't wait to have more bandwidth so that I can actually dedicate to understanding it. Like, human design is this very big ocean of information that I just have dipped my toe in. And the tiny toe, the smallest tiny one <laughs> on one foot, like not even both feet, like mm -hmm. just a little bit. I love those reflections, and I feel like for any manifestors or seen authority people, I hope that you're able to hear what Max has has digested and like applied, and I hope it's able to support you because I know a lot of manifestor friends of mine that get really frustrated by the human design world. They're like, "What the fuck is this even saying?" And it's, then I explain it in layman's terms or just human terms, and they're like, "Ah, okay." So I love the way that you reflected that. And one note kind of, I'm gonna, we're gonna start concluding this conversation that's been so delicious. One thing I wanna mention, you talked about sedentary lifestyle earlier. One of the things one of my EMDR therapists told me that really stuck with me is that going for walks and looking around just naturally, as you do just looking at the trees, whatever is around you as you're going for your walk, they stimulate similar movements, eye movements as you do in EMDR that, you know, can really support you in processing trauma or processing things without consciously processing them. So for me, when I actually started ADHD medication a few months ago, I had a really the first dose was way too high. So it was just, I stayed up all night in anxiety and not in a great state. Then I started implementing more regular walks. Obviously we lowered the dosage and that's really helped me digest things, even though I'm not like processing anything. I'm usually listening to music or a podcast or audiobook. but yeah, just letting my eyes roam around naturally. That's something that humans used to do a lot more rather than having your eyes fixated on one, one screen or two screens all the live long day. So that note, I just want to add as an accessible, actionable thing. And to circle back and bring this whole conversation together, I'd love to, to hear about how has showing up for your mental, emotional health and, and asking for support, going to therapy, doing all of the things like that, how has that supported your physical well-being or even your business? That's a really good question. And it's a question that deserves a lot of time to dive into because there's nuances there. So superficially, I'll say that I'm experiencing spaciousness right now. I had a shift recently uh, as a result of therapy and other conversations and also partner support where I feel lighter now. I don't feel the same heavy now as I have the past decade, there's something that has shifted considerably. And it got me out of a frame of mind that was similar to desperation and scarcity. Where how that resonates in businesses, I need money to survive, which is where I was just a few minutes, uh, a few months ago, where the chronic stress of needing money, needing clients, needing more classes, is burying me in this grief of incapability. But this, this journey of reflection, inquiry, and the recent therapy, I would say any moment in my life where I've really dived into inquiry has been profound in a very similar way. It's helped me kind of unmuck my life 
and uncover some aspect of wellness that has let me function better. So I'm a huge proponent of therapy or of coaching, or personal development, some sort of growth that you can do that isn't just doom scrolling on Instagram, looking at little quips from people on their, mm-hmm. you know, fancy marketing pages, like where their accounts or a TikTok page that has like a little lesson. No, that's not personal growth. Mm-hmm. That's escapism. Really tuning in to what your body and mind need and then doing the work, asking tough questions. I'd say all of that, those experiences in my life have opened doors I never knew existed beyond the doors I never thought would open. So it's been enriching to my life. Will I happen to grow? Thank you for the question. Yeah, you're welcome. That was a beautiful answer. And this has been such a beautiful conversation makes me want to have you back again to deep dive deeper into some of the the topics that we touched on today. So before we wrap up, I'd love if you could share um, a little bit about your work and where people can find you, hire you, follow you, all the things, connect with you. Yeah. So first, I want to invite everyone that's listening to this podcast or in the future, if you they have put the video up here too. Uh, please give yourself a nice high five. Thank yourself for showing up for you today and acknowledge that you've done some incredible work and just being able to listen. We've been talking for a little over an hour and 20 minutes. And so this is a pretty big conversation, one that I think needs to happen more often, not necessarily just with me, but with other people that are doing this work and even yourself. The type of work that I do is I help people uncover their fitness through the lens of op- optimizing what they already have. Yeah. Yes, you'll learn new skills. You'll learn to move in new ways. But truthfully, I help people work with what they've got, where they are, to make sure that they can do the things they want to do for longer. Sit and stand up. Get up and down from the floor. Go to the bathroom. Like You need to sit on a toilet. Or if you're in another country listening to this, Squat down, mm-hmm. right? Not everyone has a porcelain throne. So learning how to use your body optimally is what I help people do. And I'm working on a bunch of things. Uh, Neha is going to share a bunch in the show notes. Yes. Um, but I'm basically a personal trainer. I'm a movement coach. And for people who are interested in working with me, your first session is 50% off. All you have to do is tell me yeah. that you are interested in working. We'll have a conversation about your goals and we'll go from there. Beautiful. So also, also, the music in the background got really intense. <laughs> Love that. It's matching the vibe. So I will put uh, Max's website and Instagram link in the show notes below. So go check him out. Everyone listening, go enjoy the rain. If you get caught in the rain, embrace it. Surrender to the moment. That is your homework. And as always, have a yummy day. 
Thank you so much for listening to the Thinking About Life podcast. If you love this episode, share it with a friend and give it a five-star rating, especially on Apple Podcasts. It truly helps the podcast get in front of new people and create a ripple effect. Share about it on your social media. And if you do, tag me on Instagram and on TikTok at lovenehajha. That's spelled L-O-V-E-N-E-H-A-J-H-A. And my website is www.lovenehajha. 